0: some people actually pay like there's paid a bunch of paid programs you can use for podcasting but um i don't they don't sponsor me so i don't say their names right <laughs> <laughs> but anyways what's up everybody it's chef josh here with another episode of the family cast food and music is life yes yes indeed and this week's episode is another podcaster his name's josh don't get it twisted. His name is Josh. He does a different podcast. It's called Last Believer, a podcast about good riddance. You may have heard me talk about that band multiple times because I just had their guitar player on a previous episode, Luke. And I put their music in some other episodes too. I like them. Whatever. It's cool. So they do a podcast. And Josh also happens to run a cool company called Bartender Atlas. Check them out. Uh, it's, it's a community for not just bartenders but for people to find bars and drinks and stuff around the world um even even everything from you know fancy cocktails to dive bars to non-alcoholic beverages to just a, a good time to be had in whatever city in the world you're in literally bartender atlas check that out so yeah i'm gonna get right into the episode so josh can explain to you more about things i'll talk to you after the conversation all right everybody let's dig in
1: good morning good morning to another josh in around the world that's good times. yeah you know it's just past morning uh where i am where you just am past where you I'm, am i'm in T- toronto canada mm. three whole hours away from your 9 a.m san diego time toronto um that's cool
0: that's cool like i was uh, i was just uh, talking about the blue jays last night um the buffalo blue jays the bu- <laughs> sure the vladimir blue jays Um, yeah if you're it doesn't matter if if this is a baseball talk but that's a different podcast so today on the family cast food and music is life yes i'm talking to a fellow podcaster a fellow josh um because he also does some things in the food and beverage world so i thought it'd be a cool fit because his podcast is about all about music and it's related to one of my most recent episode guests luke from good riddance because josh has the Last Believer podcast with his, with his buddy, Dan, and they talk about good riddance every single episode. Can you believe it, ladies and gentlemen? They talk about this band all the time, but also what do you do in your regular life when you're not podcasting?
1: Well, I'm a bartender for the last 15 years. And for the last five years, my wife and I have run a business together called Bartender Atlas. So the whole idea being that uh, regardless of what caliber of bar you're going to, Or what sort of drinks you're looking for whoever is making those drinks is what's going to actually make the experience for you correct so uh so yeah we started it five years ago we have like i don't know 1700 bartenders all over the world like 250 cities and 180 countries or something of people that just want to make drinks and help people have a good night when they have a good night out yeah what do you mean so you have bartenders does that mean like are they in your is it a company
0: um well yeah so
1: yeah, I lean more towards the community aspect of it basically if you know if anyone listening which I'm assuming you have a fair amount of bartenders that uh, check out the family cast on the regular uh, if you're listening and you don't know anything about bartender atlas cruise on over to bartenderatlas.com click join and there's like 20 questions there and some of it is, what's your name? Where do you work? What's your favorite drink? You know, mm-hmm. stuff that you would expect. And then it gets into mm-hmm. what do you collect? Where's some place you want to travel to? You've never been before. Yeah. What's the funniest thing that happened to you while you were working on a bar one night. And so you sort of get an idea of people's personalities so that now that uh, I guess we can sort of start traveling safely again. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you, when you go to visit someplace, you can go and say like, Oh, you know, Josh behind the bar in San Francisco is really into star Wars and antique Teacups. You know what? I collect antique teacups. I'm going to go talk with Josh about it and see what he's into. Yeah,
0: that's a good way to build um, customer base um, for like customer loyalty from uh, to the bartender as a person, also, right?
1: Yeah, and I mean, there are so many people that have jobs where you know you're forced to travel. Whatever it is you do, if you work in sales, whatever. Obviously, all of that has changed in the last year and a half. But you know, the idea of I got to go to a conference in Denver. I don't really want to hang out with my dorky work friends afterwards. <laughs> what am I going to go do? You know what? I'm going to go drink a killer, you know, vieux carre or you know, whatever classic cocktail with Amber behind the bar because Amber says she likes making vieux carres and can talk to me about the Blue Jays or whatever. Mm-hmm.
0: That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: so, so that's sort of the idea of it. It's like a, a travel website, but also a cocktail website. Yeah. And I know you, you
0: recently, you, you did a whole, a worldwide event, right? Like a 24 hour extravaganza. Um, bar, how does that yeah. work with bartenders in like, you know, across
1: say halfway around the globe? Like, did you, you had to stay up all night to do that or uh, yeah. tell us about so, that event? That's crazy. Yeah. So, so to celebrate our fifth anniversary, we had a 24 hour bar event, which, uh, my wife Jess is very, um, I mean, Virgo for anyone that's into astrology, but she is so organized and so into logistics. We've done the Toronto Cocktail Conference a couple of years. Obviously we had to stop because of the pandemic Mm -hmm. and mostly she will, just like for 24 hour bars, lay out a schedule. She's reaching out to, I mean, we both were reaching out to all these bartenders to find out who would be interested in doing an hour long shift. Uh Uh, We did it on Twitch. So I did the first hour and then passed it off to a friend in Birmingham, Alabama and then our friend in Birmingham, Alabama, passed it off to uh, a woman in Kenya. And then a woman in Kenya passed it off to a woman in San Diego, actually uh, worked at polite provisions, Alicia.
0: Um,
1: (laughs) And so, and so that went around. We did that for 24 hours. Here's the thing, though. um, And there's no real way to prepare for it. But when you're bartending, and you have someone sitting at your bar, you talk to them for 45 seconds at a time, and then you're off doing something else, making another right. drink, opening right. another bottle of wine, whatever. And then you come back and you can pick up that conversation. So to have bartenders spend an entire hour, hour, talking yeah. about whatever it is they're talking about, you know, it's not necessarily uh, the simplest thing to do. So part of doing it on Twitch is that we had people typing in questions, asking questions, okay. you know, people, people in Sao Paulo, hey, you know, So, what's a standard pour in Sao Paulo? Also, the answer is 60 mils, which is just about two ounces. Mm -hmm. And that's a standard pour. Yeah. So, worldwide. I don't know. Like, I know in, I know in. California, it's like an ounce and a half would be a standard pour. In Toronto, it's an ounce and it's expensive as hell. So everyone was like losing Mm. their minds. All the Canadians watching this thing were just like, (laughs) what do you mean you get two ounces and it costs the equivalent of $2? This is amazing. Uh, So yeah, what ended up happening was I stayed up for the entire 24 hours because Mm -hmm. as we were saying, sometimes, you know, after talking for five minutes or so, you kind of get stuck. So I sort of used my history of radio broadcasting experience to jump in and sort of split screens with people and kind of interview bartenders as they were talking about things that were going on in yeah, cities, all this stuff. Uh, It was one of those things. I I hadn't planned on staying up for the whole 24 hours. I'm 40 years old now. I don't remember (laughs) the last time I stayed up for 24 straight hours, but uh, yeah, it was a real thing. That's awesome. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, it was pretty fun.
0: I could, I could talk to some of my bartender friends for an hour or more, but like, and I know what you mean, like, and some bartenders aren't always that up apt to talk for an hour either so that's totally yeah. you you built that community of did you did you like put it out there say hey who wants to do this or was it like i know you as a bartender you you're good at this you can do this
1: yeah, yeah. i mean we sort of we tried to split it up between time zones and countries and knowing what we knew about certain people who you know, some of these people organize different bartender groups in different parts of the world. Some of them are almost professional competition bartenders at this Mm -hmm. point. So they're used to standing in front of a crowd of people and talking forever. Uh, And sometimes it's just a friend of mine who I know is a good storyteller. True, true.
0: Yeah. The cocktail
1: that they're making is literally like a whiskey ginger, but they talk for 45 minutes and you're hanging on every word that they have to say.
0: Exactly. And and, uh, I mean, I do some of the talking, I mean, I do talking at our food pairing events and music pairing stuff. So it's all about the Sometimes it's more about the experience than like what's in front of your plate or in your drink or anything like that, because it makes certainly right. So um, did you start the community because you were like into that experience thing also
1: like the talking part versus the quality of the drink or vice versa? Yeah. So there's a few things Uh, also, you know, based on music stuff, I know dogwood toured a lot. I was a merch guy and sort of tour manager for closet monster and protest the hero for a few years as well. So sort of, sort of drawing on, my experience touring with bands and Uh then working behind a bar, dedicating as much time and effort as I can to working behind a bar, learning everything I can. And then uh, Jess and I traveling to wherever. And Jess uh, is a photographer and so would be hired to go shoot events or weddings in other Mm -hmm. places.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So if we're going to be in Sydney for a week because she's shooting something, I would be looking up, you know, world's best bars and go to the Sydney bar and like go and find uh, it yeah, out. And yeah. something that becomes very obvious is that the people judging those panels get treated really well because they know they're the judges, uh-huh. you know? yeah. Uh, whereas if you just show up as some Narbo from Canada who's <laughs> in town because his wife is shooting something, um, maybe that bar isn't the best. And so what we're trying to do is get bartenders who actually care to make their guests nights the best that they can possibly be regardless of what the guest is ordering or where they're from or who they are nice and and sort of and it goes the other way too and i know what happens with chefs as well where you know some guy owns five restaurants he must be the best chef in that city and that's not necessarily <laughs> the case right? you know <laughs> you yeah. might make some pretty tasty food it might be good but like um but the experience of the restaurant itself, the experience of sitting at a bar is about so much more than what's in your glass. Like mm-hmm. mixology at best is 15, maybe 20% of bartending,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, yeah. and, the, and there are bartenders who will put 90% of their time into mixology and no time at all into being able to read a room, which I think is the most important part of bartending.
0: Sure. Yeah. Same yeah. with a
1: lot of food food industry stuff. Um, oh, for sure.
0: But how was it? How, how was the event anyways? How did it go? It, the 24 all,
1: hour bar? Yeah. Oh, I was seeing through time by the end of it. (laughs) (laughs) And you saw around the world too. Yeah, it was great. Uh, The bartender, we had one bartender who's in like a suburb of Delhi in India who came on and she made this amazing like salted berry, uh, like not quite a compote because there was no heat added to it, but like just this crushed berry and salt and vodka drink that Mm. on paper as like dorky bartender, you would read it and be like, yeah, it's vodka and fruit. Of course, it tastes good. But then the way that she prepared it and then I had to remake all these drinks as well because we, again, were shooting photos of all of them to help promote it. So, right. But that drink really stood out to me because it was really two or three ingredients in the drink. It wasn't something that requires a centrifuge or an ISI container or whatever Mm -hmm. cool like dorky thing a bartender wants to use. It was literally fruit, salt, vodka. Go. And so that, yeah, her name was Ishrat Kar. Um, and she's also part of organizing, you know, India's cocktail week events that happen there as well. Okay. Uh, so like things like that, where I just, let's see what happens with this person. They are, they organized this thing. They sent this drink. I want to hear her talk about it. And then she was actually one of the bartenders that an hour wasn't enough. Like she got to the end of an hour and was like, Oh God, I only have five minutes left. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, what do I talk about now? Yeah. Um, so there was a lot of stuff that we got to see during that 24 hour bar that, uh, you know i think anyone watching got something out of it mm-hmm. um one of our friends in melbourne tori she had a couple parrots sitting on her shoulders for oh. the entirety of her talk <laughs> uh you know, yeah exactly it was very funny <laughs> to do that whole thing and now and that was our fifth anniversary party of course immediately after that uh vaccinations rates started going up everywhere so um organizing stuff for bartenders right now we're kind of pulling back just a touch because everyone's just getting back to work. Everyone's got to remake money that they haven't made in the last year and a half. That's true, yeah. So like putting on a bunch of events and educational seminars or trying to travel anywhere and put things together, I think for a while, and I know I feel this myself, is like, I just want to work for like three months and then I'll start thinking about real life stuff again. (laughs) Um, Because like- Getting back into it. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. Uh, And, you know, how do I feel about it? Mm -hmm. And there's been so many discussions around like, do bartenders need to change the way that they're paid and talking about tipping culture in different parts of the world. And yeah. Yeah. Is that's going something that's, yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. And like, or do we just pay everyone that works $25 an hour and that's it Add 18% to every bill and everyone, you know, dishwasher and the bartender and the host all get paid the same thing um Mm -hmm. and having those discussions and then like is that actually equitable and who is doing the most work and whose Mm -hmm. work is hardest and then trying to define what hard work means Mm -hmm. because as we just discussed you know talking to people for an hour at a time can really drain you as opposed to you know Mm -hmm. yeah you're standing in a puddle and hosing down shitty dirty dishes for five straight hours but at least you don't have to think about it right right so so what's what's harder work right but, but also, also the, the I'm not saying what yeah, is hard work. The, su- the
0: subjectivity of the word hard work or labor or anything it, like that. So it's a yeah. It's definitely a discussion. I see the pros and cons of of most of the arguments. You know, pay us a living wage, and we can't afford to. It's like well raise it your makes prices the food more
1: expensive raise your prices like. well
0: then we don't get customers so it's like a whole like a whole challenge or you know I can go work at a fast food place and make the same amount as who whoever else doing extra extra hard labor but mm-hmm. so like yeah, i don't know it's a that's a kind of a shitty discussion like um as a as a creator i just want to make make the stuff happen you know I want to make that yeah. i want to build the community that you built on bartender atlas or I want to build a community around my food or my drinks or my music um I don't have to deal with worrying about if somebody's getting paid for i just want to pay people fairly out of if i make money at an event did, did the bartender atlas anniversary party was it any kind of money or funds raised or anything oh like yeah
1: that? yeah 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 we uh so uh corby which is the canadian branch of perno ricard which is global liquor distributor um uh, they they sponsored our entire 24-hour bar mm. which is really really good of them to do at first we sort of had it split up into four or six hour chunks and so the idea would be like we could get a variety yeah. of brands involved but uh our local preneau ricard corby rep uh was just like no this is a good idea what'll it cost to do it and what we did was we like we took some money from it because we were doing the organizing but every bartender got paid nice what i mean every bartender got paid an amount that i would feel would be fair if right. someone asked me to make a drink and then talk for an hour on a mm-hmm. zoom call exactly um, yeah and so like and so cocktail cool. creation is one of those things that for years and years and years like i can't tell you how many drinks I've made for exposure, you know? Yeah. Uh, oh, exactly. And, and do it for the exposure. It's way, yeah. And it's way less the case now. Like mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. it's, it's at a point where if someone's going to create a drink for a brand uh, either the bartender or the brand has a number in their brain. And I think that's yeah uncomfortable because no one likes talking about money, but it's something that you need to kind of have in your brain all the time. If you're being asked to do something to yeah. know what your value is. Yeah. You start retort with what's your budget for me
0: and then you know go from there
1: yeah exactly
0: (laughs) your budget zero um we'll talk maybe i don't know um like so do you get do you personally get
1: is it your job to do bartender atlas or is it um the hobby or it's one of them both (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah it's one of them i think uh we don't like we do have some ads on the site and whatnot but for the most part our income comes from organizing events and a lot of times that'll come from not so much the giant global brands but some independent distillers and again canada is a huge country area wise but population wise we're only 35 million people right so uh, a lot of global brands don't necessarily <laughs> have canadian offices
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know uh, if like without giving anything away, we're working with a port company right now to try to figure out a promotion for them, uh, because they just have like essentially two sales reps in Canada. Mm-hmm. They don't have a whole lot of budget for brand activations, for tastings, for, um, you know, educational seminars, anything like that. So a lot of time, what will happen is because i I'm a W set three spirits candidate, I guess you could say, um, due to COVID the testing hasn't happened yet, but I've been reading that textbook as though it's a real book for the last year and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So, and I've visited more than a hundred different distilleries and I, I know about as much as there is to know about distilling as any other bartender. You know, there are people that definitely specialize in things that definitely know more than me. Like I'm not saying I know everything, but I am pretty master distiller, right? But you're no, no, not at all. But if someone, but if, but if some tequila brand comes to me and says, Hey, can you do an hour long seminar about how tequila is made? I feel Mm -hmm. comfortable doing that. That's um, cool, and and most of it in Spanish, even. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Arriba. The, the whole speak, the whole speaking other languages thing has come in handy for bartender Atlas for sure. Do you speak French, but Canadian, also? I speak, yeah, I speak French and French and Spanish and English. But it's funny because in Quebec, uh, people tell me I don't sound French enough. But anytime we've ever mm. been to France, I get told, "Oh, you don't sound Canadian. That's great." <laughs> To snooty Canadians. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know if it's snooty Canadians or, or snooty Montreal. French. I'm French. Just, I, I just like that everyone wants to be friends with me because I'm trying to speak French and I'll take it. We get the same thing here in San
0: Diego with like um, speaking Spanish, like border, oh, border, you know, Spanglish or Southern California Spanish versus, of course, versus textbook Spanish, because that's like, you know, Spanish, Spanish. And so yeah. I get what you're saying totally. But, but you know, I, my thing is, do you understand what I'm saying? Then to be quiet, you know, <laughs>
1: or yeah. Like,
0: do you, do you or this is it goes the same way as like as far as snobs are concerned does the beer taste good then be quiet you know yeah it's not like uh you don't have to know every single detail about it for it to be awesome or, or food or music or whatever it's like do you like it or not like that's yeah. just that's one of those things that could be maybe black and white about us, like let's take the snobbery out of it and this guy is trying to speak three languages so let him be
1: you know <laughs> there is there was uh, a long time ago at tales of the cocktail which is the giant you know cocktail nerd festival yeah. that happens in new orleans every tales year of obviously the cocktail. It's, yeah it's been going through changes for the last five years especially uh, as far as you know equity and who's running it and who's actually in charge and what does it all mean and mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. it's conversations that need to happen however i was at one seminar a million years ago at tales of the cocktail where an author in this panel discussion that i was watching said be a geek don't be a snob and that's really stuck with me i like that like, i don't. i don't care how it got there does it taste good yeah. Yeah. I love, I'm going to steal you know? that. Um,
0: yeah, I'm actually going to use that. I got a pairing dinner coming up. So that's my, those are my main, like kind of educational tools besides being in, in a classroom. It's like, I have all this captive audience of, of people who are sitting there waiting for their food and drink to come out every course. And mm-hmm. I can totally educate them as much or as little as I want to per course. And so I could be like, I'm going to use that line at, you know, throughout the night, maybe, um, yeah. and- <laughs> be a it's, geek. It, Don't it, be a snob. Yeah. 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 Geeks unite. Is that, um, is that anniversary party something that is available online right now? Or is it, was it just that one-time Twitch
1: event? No, it was a one-time Twitch event. Um, part of it, part of doing these as well, uh, when we do events, depending on what it's going to be, if it is a specific like story about a specific Canadian whiskey brand or whatever, uh, we'll keep those alive and online either in our Instagram, uh, highlights or uh keep it live on the website as well this is the thing is like we created a website i don't think anyone uses websites anymore but the website is (laughs) actually the website is actually the best part of bartender atlas i think i'm very happy with everything that we've done to sort of build it out yeah jess my wife basically taught me how to use wordpress so that we could keep the website alive and uh as up to date as possible that's right um So, yeah, we can't, we don't have access to those videos, but I mean, we're always doing new and weird and fun and interesting things, Mm -hmm. uh, or we're trying to (laughs) anyway. Yeah. I I learned from, uh,
0: Jonah that I guess they just had on, um, he, he kind of, he loves the the website formats. Uh, he's, he's trying to take the power away from other companies and putting it all on his website, all of his music Mm -hmm. and all of his videos and every event, everything is on I mean, he has it out there also on other things, but like he has control of everything that's on his website. He can sell music on his own, all the stuff, his books and everything, because it's all in one centralized place. And, you know, he's, he's aware that, like you said, people don't use websites as much. Um, But, you know, he, it's easier for him to control the, build the website for one thing, but also like see all the sales, direct sales, all this kind of stuff and contributions from people to him with no kind of no middle company taking stuff away from his art um which i thought was kind of unique uh perspective because he's doing it all alone like there's no big management company or production company behind the music um behind his music so i was like that's that's a good way to approach uh craft is kind of taking not relying so much on instagram or spotify which you know um I, I wouldn't say it. I wouldn't use the word guilty of, but it's something I do because I don't want to build a website. I don't just want to take the time to do the website because that's a whole other thing to manage. Um, yeah, and like, but also, you know, to his, to his credit, he's he is doing it full time, whereas I'm not doing all this internet stuff full time either. But you know, yeah, I I see the value in, in a, web, a really cool, good website that's very accessible and interactive. So mm-hmm. it s- sounds like Bartender Atlas is pretty interactive in the in that scene um if you're putting on these events and stuff like that have you done uh music
1: and food pairing or music and liquor pairing um not specifically uh whenever i'm building out cocktail lists um and coming up with names for drinks most of the time i will go to i will go to bands Mm -hmm. uh go to records that i like or song titles or or lyrics that stick out as far as actual one night actually there was this uh they've sort of shifted gears at this point but this uh formerly a couple from i guess they're sort of from the uk even though they're kind of from vancouver and kind of from australia as well oh. they ran something called trash tiki for a while in the trash collective and they would go around doing uh waste free, waste free pop-ups mm. at a bunch of different cocktail bars around the world and when they first did one in toronto they asked me to dj it because they're punk kids and they wanted a punk kid to dj it cool so i got i got to dj the event uh but I don't know if I'd go so far as to say that was pairing or even my idea. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you did pairing, you paired, you know, your,
0: your eclectic record collection or music collection with their kind of idea, right?
1: With their, with their punk rock, waste free, juicy drink party. Yeah. And you played, and you just played waste on repeat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. Uh, I don't know if I played waste no. that night. I honestly, if I was reaching just because oh, it's waste free. So. well djing djing is a weird thing too because even though it is being billed as a punk rock cocktail party um you or know not. that yeah <laughs> well i mean like uh the two people in charge i feel are pretty deep and wide but the people showing up might not be and right. so i can't just get away with playing you know drop dead and pig destroyer and despise you uh to a group of people yeah. to a group of people who think that punk rock is you know green day and blink 182 which sure. isn't to say green day and blink 182 aren't also that but it's a different you kind know, yeah, you actually want people to hang out and enjoy their drinks as opposed to just like raging. Is At Green least in Day, that case. is Green Day the the gin and tonic of punk rock and is blink one
0: eighty two the Jack and Coke of punk rock? I mean, if we're doing some basic generalizations of pairings. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't Green know. What Day, to start out. I was just thinking about it now that you said that, because I was like, they they are a type of punk rock, but and they could, you know, reach the masses kind of thing.
1: But yeah, like, for sure. I think I think Green Day. All right, here we go. Uh, I think (laughs) diving. I I think Green Green Day could be the gin and tonic of punk rock, but it would be some like locally responsibly made gin and tonic syrup. That's maybe like these days, these days, yeah, pre-canned, like pre-canned in a in a thing. Just because Green Day, even though obviously they blew up and sold whatever thirteen million copies of Dookie, um, they were still donating money to Food Not Bombs, and they were Mm -hmm. still bringing like Bay Area bands on tour with them. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that as big as they got and as much as they are definitely like popular, you know, good looking dudes playing in a, in a punk band. Um, they, I don't want to say they kept it real. Cause they're like, who makes a Broadway musical, but also they kept it. They kept <laughs> well, no it more did. real. No effects. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh, um, but they, I feel like green day did a better yeah. job of keeping it real than a lot of bands in that position maybe would have. Sure, and as far as and Blink One Eighty Two would probably be like, oh, I'm going with like a vodka lemonade, <laughs> uh, like real easy to take. Everybody, uh, every even if you, even if you say you don't like it, you'll still drink it. <laughs> truly, seltzer, you know, um, like yeah. Blink, like Blink One Eighty Two, one hundred percent is a vodka lemonade. In that, like, well, it gets the job done, and you know, yeah, you could talk about how their sellouts or whatever stupid songs about fucking dogs or whatever but <laughs> at the end of the day a lot of those songs are so goddamn catchy and like no for sure yeah, yeah.
0: i'm and shout, you know shout out good good vibes that we're sending to mark's way right now um yes of course cancer treatment but as far as uh, green day i mean they invest a lot into their community also like yeah. mike, mike has oakland coffee and a couple of restaurants up there um mm-hmm. and and his um you know, and their, and their partners also like pretty invested in community and outreach and stuff like that too. So they have the means with which by which to do so. So I I see what you're saying about like a a locally crafted or distilled uh, gin and, you know, special tonic syrups or whatever like that. So I guess it was maybe unfair of me to assume that they'd be a gin and tonic when they could be something so much more special on the, on the, on the root end, because people don't see that necessarily. They see, you know, all the records they've sold or being the Seinfeld song or, you know, other things. So, um,
1: the Seinfeld song, I totally forgot about that. That, that was, I oh, think that was one hilarious. point. In,
0: I think that was one break, huge break for them to get that, to break, make that, you know, that's a whole nother podcast topic, I guess, but like, you know, they're the Seinfeld band. Um,
1: wow. Uh, yeah.
0: But, I, yeah. Yeah. And that's why when you look up good riddance, you might find that that song in particular <laughs> because yeah that is i mean i don't i mean good for them for naming it good riddance and i don't know if it was a nod to the band or not but like you know it made it made that that search very uh good for punk rock in two ways i guess but yeah or bad who 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 knows i'm not the judge of that (laughs) i just you know but um so i was going back to the root of of that pairing is like green day could be because before that success they were very quote unquote you know street punk punk rock snooty little Mm -hmm. teenage punk rockers so they they would definitely be like the kind if you if i heard them the first time and i'm going back to kerplunk or whatever it's like that sounds like uh you know i it sounds like i'm at gilman street and there's bottles smashing on the ground or you know whatever until they got smoothed out by jerry finn and stuff like that but yeah Anyways, that was a quick, a quick tangent on pairings, but <laughs> I like, it. Um, how, how can bartender Atlas and, uh, family cast do kind of some, some pairing stuff together. I know we talked about Essex coffee with good riddance, um, yeah. um I, I, still, we still got to make that happen,
1: uh, somehow, maybe, maybe a Twitch, maybe, to, maybe something live like that with Aaron. Yeah, um, maybe a Twitch. Um, I honestly, I know that uh, Chuck has his creperie as well, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I see them. I see them posting about coming by for cocktails sometime, and I think it would be hilarious to do a kitchen slash bar slash music takeover. A, tr- uh, a trifecta. Of course, I don't know Chuck at all. This is the other thing about doing the Good Riddance podcast is that uh, <laughs> oh yeah, we don't know them. We, yeah, <laughs> we we almost and at this point, Dan and I keep joking about it. It's like okay, so it, it, we're like almost thirty episodes in. Mm-hmm. We haven't had a single member or former member of the band on the show. Do we keep doing it and purposely never have anyone from the band on the show? Oh. But now it's but now it's at the point where if we do it, it has to be something like. Very funny, or very special, or very weird. Yeah, like we can't we can't just have them on to be like. So, what's your favorite good written song? Which is mostly what we do with the guests on the show. But uh,
0: <laughs> but but, but, but now on. I'm
1: like now it's like we need to figure out a whole other thing to do with them, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which is the smallest amount of pressure because again, it is just Dan and I joke all the time that if it wasn't a pandemic and if we were 15 years younger, we probably just would have started a band together instead of a podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but given present circumstances and age and requirements in real life, it's like, yeah, podcast works. That's something we have enough time to do.
0: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Plus you're, you're creating and you're, and you're talking about the band that you love. Actually, we can get into the, the origin story of, of the last believer podcast uh, is is like, there's all the bands in the world. Right. And, and, you know, like you're pretty close with certain bands in your area. Like, like you said, you know, Tim's band and uh, Mm let's protest the hero. And, um, how did you end up picking Goodreads and how did you end up saying, like, let's do three songs?
1: Well, okay. Uh, there are a handful of uh, very niche single band song a week podcasts mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. out totally. there. Uh, yeah. the, one, the one that stuck out for me was Blink-155 because, again, be like Blink. fr- <laughs> it is about Blink-182. <laughs> so the, the concept for that, and this is going back like five years ago now when okay. they started it. Uh, my friend Sam is one of the hosts and Sam has been a music journalist and he was on MTV Canada for a while. And Hmm. he writes for national music papers. He hosts award shows and stuff like Sam. If that said like, so that's Sam's job in Sam's real life. He, uh, he actually got all those jobs because he started his own sort of basement Wayne's world looking show uh, where he would have bands come on and play and he would interview them. And he was also writing. And now he's at the point where when the Junos happen, which is what everyone calls the Canadian Grammys, but it's, it's different than that. But it's the closest thing to draw any reference to. Right. Like right. Sam, will host, Sam will host the red carpet at the Junos. Like he's oh, cool. a successful broadcaster and music journalist. However, he also is a punk rock kid and plays in a band called Junior Battles. Uh, who I'm pretty sure have played Fest a couple times. They've toured with a bunch of bands. To be totally honest with you, I haven't listened to a whole lot of Junior Battles. I just like going to their shows. And so Sam is one of the hosts of Blink-155. And when they started this podcast, it was Sam and another music journalist in Canada named Josiah Hughes doing one Blink-182 song song every week for 155 weeks. That's how many songs Blink-182 had at the time. Oh, okay after they started the podcast, Blink started releasing more and more songs. So it ended up being like, I don't know, 180 episodes or something. Uh, (laughs) So they covered it all. And because Blink 182 is the band that they are, there would be weeks where they would talk about the production and how genius it must've been to have this person producing whatever, and this drum line, whatever. But then there'd be weeks where it was just like an hour and a half of two guys talking about like, can't get you more pregnant. (laughs) And like, You know, imagine (laughs) or like grandpa jerking off or whatever. And so, oh my gosh. But what, but what was cool about that podcast though is that even though it was ostensibly about Blink 182, by 15 episodes in, you realize that it's actually about two guys becoming friends. And you, and like you're part of this narrative of this podcast, which is supposed to be about this band. And like it sort of is sometimes, but it's also about like, you make it sound so romantic, like. Uh, but but that's you know. the thing is like it it was Two and it was totally accidental <laughs> as well. And this is I the thing that. is Dan and I and Dan and I for the Last Believer podcast, the Good Riddance podcast that we do. The difference is with us and like there's an alkaline trio podcast, there's a propaganda podcast. Like we, you know, there are a bunch of these like one band or one album mm-hmm. podcasts out there. Mm-hmm. The difference with ours is that Dan only casually was aware that of good riddance's work. Um,
0: oh yeah. He
1: knew them. he knew them from comps. He knew them from seeing them on tours. Mm-hmm. Uh, he knew them. He did a college radio show for a while. And I guess one of his co-hosts was very into good riddance, but he only sort of casually knows things about the band. Whereas since I was 14 years old, I have kept up on everything <sighs> the band has ever done. Everything that yeah. every interview, every B side, every side project I have dug in pretty deep on this band forever and part of that is because um, lyrically and musically they cover such a range of mm-hmm. ideas um, mm-hmm. and emotion and song styles and and lyrical styles and yeah uh, they really hit a lot of points that not many bands have that expansive of a sound and a focus of their lyrics and so this is the thing about doing a podcast about good riddance is that we get to dive into a little bit of everything
0: mm-hmm.
1: in that, you know, there are, there are weeks where all we talk about is descendants. And then there's weeks where all we talk about is born against. Right, and, yeah. <laughs> and it's because good riddance sort of encompasses all those things. Um, sure. And so the reason that we decided, decided to do three a week, trying to keep in the spirit of uh, again, not knowing the guys in good riddance at all, but most good riddance songs are between a minute and 45 and two minutes and 30 seconds long. Yeah, They're all short, you know, short little hyper blasts of intensity. And I felt like trying to do an hour and a half long episode about a 45 second long song. Not only would it take forever for me to research it and edit it every week, but it would also not kind of be like it wouldn't necessarily fit with the mood of the band themselves.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, yeah. um, if you if Russ can write about all this stuff in a minute and 40 seconds and get it out then there's no reason it should take me longer than 10 minutes to talk about the stuff that he has talked about true true yeah they already and, did it yeah exactly does that make sense <laughs>
0: it does yeah um yeah i think it's a good format i i wonder sometimes what do you do when you reach the end of the like the number list like do you well, then, then do you talk about
1: all the details about production and all that kind of stuff or you know? no i think i think dan wants to talk about avail um, yeah <laughs> I think that's that's uh he Dan in Dan's brain he's just like okay but when we finish good riddance what do we talk about after that um is that which, a new podcast like, right, well, I think that's his I idea stop is and just then like kind of continuing but or, you know or do we talk about lifetime do we talk about strike anywhere do we talk about whoever uh I, so yes, I, yes to all that yeah. I think Greg Greg from the propaganda pod suggested that we do a Dylan four. Because Dilinger 4 only have like 45 songs. So it wouldn't take very long to do. Dillinger um, 45. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, and, so I mean, but that's all still almost a year away. Yeah, uh, yeah, before yeah. before we get to the end of that song list.
0: So And who knows? Maybe yeah, you'll eventually get the guys, the guys from the band to talk on the show and all this kind of you know, answer some questions. Well,
1: I mean, there's a I mean, it was very nice to hear. Uh, one of your most recent episodes when you had Luke Pavish on oh, your yeah. podcast and, and you mentioned our podcast to him and he was like, yeah, I know that's happening. That's actually really nice. Uh, that guy, Josh, <laughs> he, that's a bit like, he was just like, that's a very flattering thing to yeah. know that someone's he, doing it. So, he's like, so, chill. Okay, so yeah. But it's also nice to know that we have at least one quarter of the band that is okay with us doing it. Well,
0: I'm sure they are. Like, what are they going to like? I mean, because you guys aren't really, from what I hear on the podcast, you, you're not like, you're critiquing the songs, but you're also fans. So you're not like, meh let's skip this one or like eh, i don't like this song it's because you're not really like it's not like a yelp review of the albums you know it's like no um, you guys are like actually fans and break because that and that's why i listen to it because i'm a fan and i want to i want to also break down the song and you know i know i know some of the things you're saying and i don't know some of the things you're saying so like it's cool to i guess hear people's perspectives especially now speaking me josh speaking from a artist like a musician's perspective it's like I hear a lot of, I've heard a lot of, and still hear a lot of critique of my own art and music and stuff like that. And it's like, sometimes it's hard to take, but also it's like, what are people hearing about this song? I want to know mm-hmm. because, um, I mean, I could say, oh, I don't care what people think, it's art, it's my art, whatever. But like, it's still, it's still like, um, it's good to know people like it. It's also, I guess, kind of good to know if people don't or maybe i don't know i don't know how to describe it but as far as a as far as a song that was written that somebody else is listening to and saying i wonder if the song is about this and it's like and you're like rubbing your hands the back and back i'm like ha, 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 got him or yes they get it or you know whatever so i think well, yeah. that you know it'd be cool if those i'm sure they've heard an episode or something like that but to be funny yeah. to tell you something about luke um i said hey hey the podcast is out what format do you want to hear it on or listen to or whatever i'll send it to you and he goes oh, that's cool, um, I don't have Spotify, I don't, you know, I don't really want to hear my voice, I, it was a great interview, so I just, thanks for doing it, and, um, you know, we'll he's awesome. <laughs> like, he's so chill and humble, and, like, it was funny to talk to him about the stuff, and, like, and, like I said, men- I mentioned you guys on the, on, on our interview, I said, because I, I didn't want to, like, totally break down every single aspect of his songwriting and stuff like that, because you guys do a good job with that, but, um, um, and I told him, I said, I don't want this to be kind of you know a a fanboy kind of interview or whatever even though i could have gone in that direction totally easily (laughs) yeah um but but i kind of i kind of use my i guess podcast platform to for with 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 musicians and chefs and stuff like that is to um kind of talk to them about stuff maybe they don't talk about on other shows you know Mm um especially with the food and music pairings they kind of get a kick out of that a little bit um yeah Oh um, for sure. I've been sending people recipes and stuff like that, suggestions. So it's cool to pick your brain about the 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 liquor pairings and the 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 mocktail pairings and stuff like that for the straight edge crowd. Yeah. And um, but we're, we're still going to get into. Don't worry. Don't you? Don't you worry. We're still going to get some pairing. But I, and I always send those questions to you guys on your show. Like every once in a yeah. while, like what song would this pair with? You know, just cause just to throw it off a little bit because it's not like, you know, like even asking you guys, what's your favorite good written song? It's like, no, let's ask a question that's not really in the normal vernacular of interviews, you know? Yeah,
1: for sure. I remember even, even years ago when I was on the radio before I ever toured with bands or anything, um, you know, talking with my program directors at the time when I was doing interviews and, you know, sometimes where it's just like, yeah, we can talk about the new album. We can talk about how much time you put into it, talk about lyrical inspiration, but also just like, Hey man, how many times have you been to this city in the last four years and Mm -hmm. where am I supposed to go and get tacos in that city? There you go. And it's just like, well, I don't eat tacos. Or you're not into tacos. And then it opens up a whole other <laughs> discussion that you can have. <laughs> that's about something very real and unexpected. Sure. And that's you know question. that little bit of spontaneity mm-hmm. works out. I think. That's a really good question. Are there tacos yeah. in your city right now in, in Toronto? Uh, yeah, there's a, uh, it's a bad news, man. There's a spot at the end of my street, like literally a two minute walk from my door called mm-hmm. Gus's tacos. And like, Uh, I haven't been working enough to be buying myself tacos all the time, but oh my God, Gus's tacos are just crushing me. They're really good. So good. good. So good. Shout out Gus. Yeah. Shout out to Gus's tacos at the end of, uh, end of my street in Toronto here. They have a couple locations, but What makes Gus's so good? I think, uh, well, first of all, it's so far as I can tell, it's all actual Mexicans working there, which is Mm -hmm. uh, something that, I mean, about 10 years ago, there was uh, a bunch of taco spots that popped up around Toronto but it was people who had gone and like hung out in Mexico for two weeks and got the inspiration, came back and started making what they yeah, thought yeah. of as street tacos. We got some, which like, cool. Inspiration is inspiration, and nothing, no one ever has one idea, uh, and no idea can be traced to only one person. Fine. Right, right. But Gus's tacos, uh, it's pretty legit. When I go in, I'm ordering in Spanish, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I feel like that is reflected in the food, in that it's the way that they. Have always made it whether they learned from a parent or another chef awesome. uh, there there's a sort of authenticity to it that might be lacking in some place that puts you know cucumbers on their taco
0: for instance it, it, there's a time in a place i like guys. cucumbers there's a time and i a like place. cucumbers
1: i like tacos you know yeah. i like pickles and i like ice cream sure i know what you're i know where you're headed
0: um yeah. viva la raza viva la raza um viva are la you raza. are you um do you go to um I know you go to Mexico and you meet the master distillers and in, mm-hmm. in Jalisco and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. do you do, are there, is there a specific like drink besides, you know, Molson and stuff like that in Canada, that's uh, like a, a liquor that's
1: indigenous to the area. Well, Canadian whiskey goes over huge. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, and of course, a, yeah. a lot of those are owned by big boys and it's very funny too. Cause like the crown Royal that we have in Toronto, isn't necessarily the same crown Royal that you get in Dallas, you mm. know, uh, Which one's there better? is, Oh, uh, I mean, better is subjective, but the Canadian one, um, that's what I mean the is, thing it, is do they keep the good stuff local uh, sort of, um, there's different liquor laws as to what you can call Canadian whiskey in Canada versus what you can call Canadian whiskey in the U S or in Scotland or in Ireland or wherever. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah. And it has to do with percentage of not just alcohol, but, um, raw grain alcohol that goes right. into the final yeah. blend. Uh, there's a, there's a weird law that 9.09, mm-hmm. Uh, of the volume of Canadian whiskey, can be <laughs> other things. Nine point oh nine. Yeah. Okay. Uh, again, like no idea where this number came from, but um, but there's one brand specifically called Bearface whiskey, okay, and they hired uh mezcalero to come and do a blend, so it is nine percent mezcal mixed in with Canadian whiskey. So you end up with oh. this like smoky, grassy, uh, hmm. almost like like peppery, spicy. Canadian whiskey, which generally leans Fair more face. towards like rye grain, vanilla, you know, oak, caramel, kind of traditional aged spirit sort of flavors and aromas, that but sounds... with a touch of mezcal in it it, is really cool. That sounds kind of cool. Um, that said, if there's one Triple brand oak. of Canadian whiskey that I will just go go hard for every time, it's called Lot Forty. It's 100% rye whiskey made in Canada. It's made by the people who make JP Weiser's. Okay. Um, so that's like the big company, but lot 40 is their hundred percent rye expression. And that's available all over the place. Now in the last five, 10 years, they've done a really good job of getting that out there and sort of having it be, uh, not what you expect Canadian whiskey to taste like. Okay. Um, yeah, and so it, like they've done, they've done a, they've done all of Canadian whiskey a favor by making a truly great Canadian whiskey.
0: And these are all made in Canada, like the, yeah. the bare face and all that. That's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. I got to figure out a way to get that somehow, you know, like <laughs> I see, yeah. I just looked it up. I was like, that, that they have some good uh, offerings. For yes. the bare face. I didn't look up the other one, but the bare face itself is especially when you said it was a, a mezcalero came
1: up and gave him some wisdom. Um, yeah, I think there was like a contract distillation mm-hmm. situation with that. I'm not I'm not sure on all of the business workings of it or even the <laughs> legalities of bottling mezcal and whiskey in the same bottle. Uh, oh, I'm sure that I'm I sure that there anybody. was a lot of legal yeah. loopholes to go through for that. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, someone say this is not mezcal. And someone say this is not whiskey.
0: It's like, yeah, I know it's, it's yeah, it's it just, isn't just invented it. <laughs> we invented it. Yeah. We it's a lager um yeah. <laughs> yeah so what so like so back to some pairings
1: because that's what we do yes. wait Jess yeah. is Jess a bartender too no Jess isn't a bartender at all she oh. just enjoys cocktails uh she's actually gotten really into wine in the last little while one of her clients is uh this couple of women call themselves grape witches and they've opened up a storefront (laughs) and they have their own wine shop. And Jess, Jess is, uh, that's cool. One of their, so she arranged that she gets paid to go and take photos for them, Mm -hmm. but also gets a bottle of wine every time she goes to do photos for them. So uh, Jess Jess is more into wine than anything else, but yeah, she definitely has done a bunch of the trips through bartender Atlas. Um, that's the other thing with us being a couple is that, uh, it's cheaper for people to bring both of us on, distillery tours or brand trips mm-hmm. uh, because they get good photos out of it and they only need to pay for one hotel room true true that's smart you guys <laughs> yeah. are smart um so yes. so
0: pair a, pair a, a wine a wine with a, a band pair a pair of wine with a band any, any wine with any band well like we're mostly we're talking mostly punk and hardcore but you could go hip-hop country reggae yeah. i don't know yeah yeah let's see the, uh, the wine that the wine that jess likes most you could pair it with uh, okay. some music
1: how about that okay go uh yeah you know what jess is very into uh dusty old world really like not so much uh not so much tannin but like uh (laughs) dry dry fruit sort of reds Mm -hmm. you know uh like the big bottles at italian restaurants yeah or like spanish like like garnachas that are kind of like earthy Mm -hmm. earthy and dusty Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and so even though jess wouldn't listen to it i would say that sort of fits with like a maybe like a high on fire kind of thing uh where it's just like (laughs) you know these guys are tough as nails and sometimes they're a little like restrained and pulled back and other times they're just like foot to the floor with some nuance some nuance yeah but there's but there is nuance to it exactly yeah so let's say yeah spanish garnacha is high on fire okay nice why not (laughs) give me a molson give me a molson oh uh Well, I mean, uh, Teenage Head is the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, Teenage Head, I don't know how familiar anyone would be with Teenage Head outside of deep punk nerd circles, but Teenage Head put out what anyone would call a punk album. Uh, Or sorry, they didn't put out the album until later, but they were playing as a band. Basically, they were contemporaries of the Ramones. Mm -hmm. And the Ramones got to be the Ramones, and Teenage Head flailed away in Canada for however long. Uh, But... The first two Teenage Head LPs, and if you can find any of the seven inches, the forty fives, they're just like untouchable, amazing, like roots of punk rock shit. Ah, okay. And and because they're from Hamilton, which is sort of a sister city to Buffalo, if I can give you like a mood of it, you know, little little like hints of Pittsburgh kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hamilton is definitely like Canada Steel Town. And when I picture dudes drinking in Hamilton, they're drinking Molson Canadian.
0: Gotcha, gotcha.
1: So hockey, that's where Teenage Head beer. comes from. yeah totally hockey beer
0: that's uh that's funny too because luke luke said he was his dad they moved up there for some part of his life and then you know so i was like oh someone's gonna get a kick out of that yeah Uh, yeah there's a there's definitely a university there uh totally hamilton hamilton um and then so we we talked about green day we talked about blink and and then I i don't know if i want to go into the territory of pairing good riddance with one because you know russ's straight edge but still i i have enjoyed some some beverages listening to their music so um uh but i I'll, i'm gonna say that too because i asked you a question directly on the podcast about pairing some, pairing some songs with you know um yeah yeah with but I, we won't get into it here just just yet um but it's but i had a question about bartender atlas um you guys started it uh did, was it something else before or was it like you always have this idea to make a like a, a bound I I picture an old dusty tome of a book an atlas of bartenders from the 1600s to the future. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's like this big bartender community. Cause I have a couple of chef books like that, like where chefs eat or, you know, eateries around the world, stuff like that. Um, Is it going to be anything like, kind of like, I don't know what, how can someone, how can someone who's not a bartender, like
1: utilize this? I, well, I think that because we focus so much on the people on the website it's really, I mean, yeah, there's recipes there as well and little like, you know, uh, branded content or stories about distillery visits that we've done. You know, some of that stuff is there. But if you're not a bartender, this is like what we created a bartender Atlas for is to sort of break down that wall so that you're yeah. not so scared of chartreuse you know, um, <laughs> like, I'm scared or, or like, you know, or like, Oh, my, my granddad used to drink Grand Marnier and I don't know if I'm tough enough to drink it. It's like, no, Grand Marnier is delicious. It's just orange flavored cognac. It's fucking Trust great. Me, it's not tough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Put or, in or whatever, you know, <laughs> or, or like, or like even, even mezcal, even Pisco, even, you know, uh, other whatever, you know, uh, what's it called? Uh, Seltzer. Eastern European, like, uh, Potato vodka. like, Rika like, oh yeah, you know, there's all these different things. Rika. That's all like, you'd be scared of it because, oh, my granddad drank that. And then he wrapped his truck around a tree. And it's like, yeah, but if you drink too much of anything, you wrap a truck around it. Yeah. Tree. You don't like, have to do that. Yeah. Uh, so the idea, so the idea is that regular people can read these things and see like, <clears> yeah, man, we do shots of Fernet at the end of a shift and be like fernet, Whoa, that's aggressive as hell. And so bitter. And it's like, yeah, at first. But like anything, the first time you try something, it's always going to be weird. And then by the third time, you can't put it down. And whether that's booze or whether that's, you know, uh, the, the first time you hear minor threat when you think that, you know, punk rock, because you heard the Ramones and then it's just like, mm. oh, my God, this is just like that much faster. And this guy is that much angrier. I can remember um, the first time I, that I someone showed me that I was like,
0: what, uh, what I what is going i can hear all the bands that they influenced and i can hear myself i can hear my insides boiling uh, when i'm listening to this like this is so amazing and then i research them and they're like teenagers you know inventing hardcore and straight edge and punk like you know that's an argument for sure but um and then you find out like you know ian was not being he wasn't trying to invent straight edge and like all this other cool stuff like they they're just such a it's just such a fun, it's such a fun thing to research when you talk about minor threat, you know, and then oh, yeah. of course everything they're doing, you know, all, everyone else in the band is doing now and discord and all this stuff. So it's really cool. Like, you know, and then of course, I, obviously when you hear, when I hear the word minor threat and pairing, I just think black coffee, you know?
1: <laughs> oh, for sure. Just black or coffee, like, uh, you know, or like, I feel like there's so many photos of the dudes from minor threat where they're all drinking Coke. Pepsi. Yeah. Pepsi or Coke. Yeah. <laughs> can all like the, they have cans of soda in front of them all so they the time. love caffeine they it's all caffeinated yeah yeah sure Oh,
0: <laughs> uh, maybe that's what seeing red means they, they were talking about coca-cola cans yeah that's definitely what that song is about <laughs> <laughs> oh man um do, do you actually ha- i i i said i wasn't gonna but do you actually have a favorite good riddance song
1: well i mean it, like it's it I want to say it changes all the time. I think waste is probably the most important yeah. one in my whole life, in that, like, I had been toying around with being vegetarian mm-hmm. uh, until that song came out. And keep in mind, I was like uh, 17, I think, when that song came out. Mm-hmm. And so, I'd been listening to enough other bands drop dead and Los Crudos and Propagandi specifically that all had songs that vaguely dealt with vegetarian, veganism, all that stuff. Yeah. Sometimes not vaguely at all. Sometimes very directly, very directly. but, uh, but for whatever reason, waste was the one where I was like, okay, yeah. Like this guy who I know to be a legit poet who is capable of writing, uh, you know, like creating images with words, just put out this song where he's fully just berating the listener into being like, don't you fucking get it? And it's like, yeah, you know what? Uh, yeah. There is no reason to be half-assed about this. So I think Waste was super important in my life. Um, Very recent episode that we did was Trophy, and it's funny, because I haven't thought about the song Trophy a lot, because uh, to be told, like, without getting like too weird and personal, I don't think about my dad a lot, uh, mm-hmm. because I stopped talking to him a, a million years ago. And is he still alive? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I have, like, half-siblings and stuff, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't talked, I haven't talked to him in so long. It wasn't (laughs) until we drew the song trophy that I remembered when that song came out, I fucking Mm. loved it because it's just all about like consistently feeling like you're disappointing your family, right? uh, Which is how I was made to feel when I was a kid. And part of that figures into, you know, being a teen and hormones that you don't know what to deal with and no way of expressing anything, which is why punk is the fucking best. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. But then, but then I also love credit to his gender. I think is like, Mm-hmm. Maybe the mm-hmm. like if they're if you're gonna say best like as far as the way it's written, how it's put together, what it sounds like, the mm-hmm. thought that went into it I, I love think that one there's I like there's no eye in team a lot as well uh, as far as the cat like them writing something that's very catchy but also interesting and still means something
0: mm-hmm. uh, yeah they have, there's a they lot. have
1: a lot of they have a lot of I mean of course there's so
0: many songs like, that like going all the, if you go all the way back to 1994 or five, they, you know, till now that's a lot of songs to choose from. So yeah, it wasn't yeah. kind of like, and honestly the entire album operation Phoenix just fucking rules. Uh, get you in a mood right there. Um, yeah. but of course talking about waste and diet and food, cause it's, you know, this is the podcast to do it. Um, mm. he, he made it, on that song in particular we talked about a little bit on your show um but like i can break it down a little bit more um because he made it so simple i'm talking about russ the singer of good He he made it more simple on ways like you know words because on forgotten country the first record there was the a verse in a song and it was all full of like bad religion, thesaurus words, you know, I happened to visit yeah, a slaughterhouse yeah. where cessations, redolence rose to the sky, propitious, cre- all this, like you have to have a thesaurus handy to understand what he's saying. He, you can kind of tell he's talking about, because he says, I happened to visit a slaughterhouse. Um, but then he, the point didn't get across because the words were too heady. So then move forward to ballads. And he's like, mm-hmm. question to you, call to action. Two times yeah. in a row, you know the first two lines, and then it breaks down the big breakdown. Of course, you know that's just all their his emotion of you know everything. This is me projecting onto Russ's lyrics, right? But but yeah. it's like like we've talked about a minute and thirty seconds, maybe less of of just hardcore angst regarding specifically. Um, I mean, pita has made videos about it with all the animals, but it sounds like it's mostly about the cattle industry and and mm-hmm. red meat. You know, because it starts with here red meat. You know, so yeah. Um, specifically feeling the pain of bovine industry um mm-hmm. so and i'm i'm aware of that as a chef um um my company in particular tries to we try to be sustainable and organic and grass-fed as possible knowing the farmers mm-hmm. and um i mean i don't we don't raise animals and you know 50 of our menu is vegan gluten-free all this stuff but um was it you it was you and I we talked offline a long time ago about like choosing your diet is a privilege you know mm-hmm. um Certainly. i think it's a it's definitely a privilege to be able to choose what you eat and what you don't eat you know yeah. um whereas i understand all the benefits and implications and all this stuff about diet and nutrition of course and animal industry and and all the negatives that could come with that too um mm-hmm. i just i'm also aware that when i was poor when we grew up super poor and didn't have a choice of what to eat. You know, we're just, we're eating what was given to us and eating yeah. what was, what people were providing to us. It was I wasn't like, Oh, dang it. I was trying to be vegan this week or, ah, my keto diet is th- thrown out the window now or whatever. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to live. I'm trying to sustain myself. Um, not to say that my, um, I'm not, I'm not doing that now at harvest kitchen cause it's it's a pretty high end catering, but, um, but I have to know in my head and, 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 um, in my heart that there's people out there that don't choose, what they're eating so it's like i i kind of have to relay that to some of my clients and customers like just so you know um i do have meat alternatives i I i'm not a big proponent of soy stuff but i have a bunch of i can make you something that's like like for example hibiscus barbacoa tacos instead of something or uh, there's always Mm. there's always a choice you know (laughs) who will be their choice no there's always a choice and um blah, blah, blah. Some people are like, nope, just meat. We have all meat on the, on the wedding menu. There's no, no vegetarian options or anything. Nobody gets the choice. So right. it's a funny, it's a funny world to be in when you're aware of veganism and,
1: you know. Well, yeah, it's, um, it's been funny. Vegan, like, you know? <laughs> yeah. And like my, my whole career, you know, when I started working in bars, I had already been vegan for, I don't know, seven years or something. Um, and always understanding the irony of yeah, man, burgers and steaks and pork chops are paying my rent, even if I'm not eating them myself. Oh yeah, uh-huh. uh huh. And and trying to, like, there was one specific restaurant that I worked at. It was called Campagnolo. It doesn't exist anymore, but very rustic Italian. You know, uh, mid to high range. Like, wasn't white tablecloth Italian. It was a little more rustic than that. But like, the, uh, fuck, what's it called? It wasn't Bolognese. It's a a la matriciana. Mm. We had a spaghetti a la matriciana on the menu that literally every single table came in, got at least one of them. And also a burrata. And also uh, a budino. And like, basically, when you went there, those are the three things that you would get. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a whole leather menu, whole a whole like it was, it was a proper whole menu. But um, also, it's a 50-seat restaurant. The menu would change often. But the joke was so. So I was vegan for a very long time. Worked in restaurants for forever. Uh, I had left that restaurant, started working somewhere else, and that was when I started traveling a lot more often. And going to, you know, the middle of nowhere. When you when you go looking for mezcal palenques, these farms that make mezcal, not necessarily as a means of income, but just like part of the farm's ecosystem. Um, and you show up at someone's house, and they know that they have guests, and they have you know, butchered a goat that had been part of this farm's ecosystem for the last 10, I don't even know how long, how old goats get, you know, six, eight years, whatever. Mm -hmm. But uh, but they've done that because they know that they have guests. And this is, you know, part of a culture where it's like, well, no, when you have guests, you do this. And I'm not educated enough in in any kind of Mexican culture to try to go against that when I am merely being a guest. And also, My primary issue with meat and dairy always is, is that it's industrial farming. It's not actual farms, you know, it's not an animal that is being appreciated. It's not like I'm signing off on saying like, if you raise your own animals, you should eat them. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that there's a big difference between uh, mass marketed pigs that are stuck in cages where they can't even turn around, Mm -hmm. you know, chickens that are de-beaked, beaked, beaked, de-beaked abused before they even get a chance to lay an egg Um, like those processes are the things that I have problems with as far as eating meat the actual consumption of animals is less an issue for me Mm -hmm. in that humans have been eating animals a long time it's when you make money from it and when you industrialize it that it really becomes an issue and so like I've been I was vegan for a long time and then I ate whatever Uh, there's also trying to wrestle with the idea that any personal decision I make will not make the difference when compared to giant multinational corporations that aren't willing to budge on what they do uh and you know wrestle with that every day of my life uh because that's how my brain works but uh but I've been vegetarian again for the last eight nine months um and that's you know and it's funny because there's so many people that are like yeah but two years ago you were doing this and I'm like yeah two years ago I was doing this and now this is what I'm doing yeah um there's always gonna be naysayers uh, yeah exactly well you weren't like that before I was like yeah man (laughs) <laughs> it's called growing up. Like you learn things, you change the way that you, if you aren't embarrassed by previous versions of yourself or don't feel bad for anything you've ever done, you're not actually growing up. Right. Yeah. You're you not, know? You're and, not uh, and, maturing and getting better. Um, yeah. And I work at a restaurant where, you know, people love the steak frites at our restaurant, but I'll never eat it. And it doesn't necessarily impair my ability to sell it. And with the money that I'm making from it, I'm buying vegan and eco-friendly products. So I'm just redistributing wealth to companies that maybe uh, sure, yeah. are more in line with how I feel about things.
0: It's like a, an argument I heard on a documentary about organic food is um, I think it was Stony Brook farms or something like that. Um, they make dairy products. They make organic yogurt. And um, okay. Are you selling out? If you're, you know, getting into Walmart, uh, the grocery store at Walmart, he's like, well, think about it. I could, I just sold, you know, now there's millions of people who are going to be buying organic dairy products because I'm in Walmart. Um, regardless of, you know, I could stay in one mom and pop shop in my town, or I could pick up this account with Walmart and put organic products instead of whatever else is going in other yogurts. Like, it's like a, Oh yeah. Some, the naysayers in any industry, music, chefing beverage, uh, don't always see the whole picture. I think. Um, Yeah. I think it's also like
1: how how much of the game are you willing to play? Mm Mm-hmm right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. okay, cool. So I'm going to make this organic yogurt, but I'm only selling it in this specific place. So then you're just, you know, in an echo chamber. That's snooty. Whereas, it's a little bit snooty. Yeah. Whereas like, like we're talking about this yogurt producer who has decided to put it in, like take a contract with Walmart. How many people, first of all, it'll financially benefit that company. Ideally, oh yeah. Anyway. Who yeah. knows what the deal it is, but yeah, now you're getting your product in front of eyes and into mouths that otherwise it wouldn't have seen, and now you've got people buying organic products and maybe looking for more organic products. Mm-hmm. And what if so that, could whole, it, that could change you the whole? But you also went being at Walmart but, too. Yeah, but you've also just gone through a system that is inherently bad to get to that point. So like, where like do you Walmart, where yeah. do you lie on it? <laughs> yeah. and, and like everyone yeah. everyone has to draw their own lines mm-hmm. uh, as to what they will and won't take part in, and you can't yeah. you can't shame people for deciding that their point on the line isn't exactly where your point on the line is. Sure. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, but, it, and it's a discussion that keeps happening, which is probably the most important part. Mm-hmm. It's the same.
0: in it happened in music in the nineties, like major labels. Oh, sure. It happened in, it happens in the, the beer industry in San Diego. Like, Oh, they sold to definitely Coors, Molson, um, mm-hmm. AB InBev. Bev, um, you know, they, they sold. And then, but the now AB InBev is trying to have all these independent labels. like, but they're not independent yeah. labels. It's like you guys, the, the brewer is still a human. They're still making the product, you know, just be, they have a little bit of funding behind them to, to make more of their independent product. So yeah. that's a whole another huge argument because money's involved. It's just all about yeah. money that like yeah. DIY, DIY music stuff. And you know, for, that is one reason why I do support records like fat wreck and oh, for sure. um, you know, other independent for sure. 100% independent labels um, because Yeah, it's, I have that, I have that DIY, that's a little bit of that snooty DIY spirit in myself, you know, like I support them and you know, they don't, they don't really raise their prices on records and they don't, they
1: don't sell at Walmart to my knowledge, you know, stuff like that. Oh, really? I didn't know that. I don't know. I don't know if they do. They might. I don't know when the last time, who buys records at Walmart anyway? I think they have some exclusive stuff,
0: but it's more for like the big bands, like Metallica, like you can get stuff exclusive at Walmart, but it's like, do I want that? do I want to do that? You know, like when I could just buy it from my friend who sells records, you know, totally uh, legal. Yeah. So that's just, that's a little bit of snootiness on a, on a DIY kind of part, but. um, There's
1: something, something funny about that. I got, I got one more thing on there. Uh, A a few years ago, um, Henry Rollins had his own show on IFC. Yeah. And one of the rants that he went on, on it was people getting mad at punk bands for selling their songs to car commercials. Right. And his argument was like, are you fucking kidding me? How many years ago did you buy that Buzzcocks album that you spent $12 on Mm -hmm. and you've been listening to it? Do you think the Buzzcocks are getting more money every time you listen to that record? No, the Buzzcocks need that fucking money. If anything, (laughs) you should be happy that the Buzzcocks are getting paid for this amazing song, even if it's in a car commercial now, or like Iggy Pop or whoever, right? I mean, Iggy Pop, I don't think is hurting the same way that maybe the Buzzcocks were 20 years ago, but you know, uh, (laughs) It's just the idea that like, yeah, man, you don't get to tell people what to do with their art, especially if they need that money,
0: you know? Especially if they they are, if a band or an artist or a chef or a beverage maker or a bartender atlas was truly in it for the community and not for uh, any kind of funding or sales, everything would be free.
1: We would make yeah. our music and give it to you for free. We would make and our- And if I could do Bartender Atlas for free, I would. And no, to be totally I mean. honest, like, for the yeah, last five years, could. for the most part, we have been. That's <laughs> it. If anyone from like Travelocity or yeah. uh, you know uh, American Airlines is listening, we'd be more than happy to partner. Cool.
0: You heard it here on the Family Cast. Uh, <laughs> um,
1: this, this episode is brought to
0: you by Bartender Atlas for no money at all.
1: A, a um, subsidiary of Travelocity exactly. uh, or, or Hotels.com.
0: And I think that people like, discord records for example or my yeah. threat shows like fugazi prices um if if people really cared about maybe anti-capitalism or money or anything like that technically wouldn't everything be free technically well, yeah i mean so yeah. so the semantics of capitalism or, or paying you know paying down against the man or whatever or rage against the machine for that matter they've sold millions and millions of records i don't know it's yeah. a topic i don't really want to get into because i <laughs> i love them i support them but when they're singing about you know all the kind of weird stuff like well then shouldn't your concert tickets be free
1: you know yeah i boom yeah you know? I, <laughs> I sometimes i feel bad for rage against the machine mm-hmm. like, yeah, i know they did it they, themselves had, had, yeah had they not gotten so popular everyone mm-hmm. would like them a lot more which seems like a contradictory thing to say yeah 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 totally. <laughs> um well what's the what's the latest and
0: greatest with last believer pod what's the big what's the next big step
1: well um <laughs> <laughs> We're going to keep drawing three mm-hmm. uh, songs a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, la- actually, the most recent one we recorded is one of the more awkward ones that we've done. Uh, we drew <laughs> one one song that was from the Loaded for Bear Tape, uh, one song from Comprehensive Guide, and one song from Forgotten Country. Uh, it was the first episode, I think, where we've had three legitimate deep cuts that even staunch fans of the band are like, yeah, this song's fine. Um, oh, okay. So... So it was kind of a, it was kind of a weird one going in, especially as I mentioned, Dan is like vaguely familiar with the band, especially at this point, six months in, but, um, but yeah, he was just like, I don't know what to do about these three songs, which is totally fair because like they're weird ones. They are definitely all outliers. So it's kind of fun to hear two guys. You do yeah, exactly. Two yeah. guys who have been so excited. Especially I feel like the last run of shows we've done, we've had a lot of hits come out. Yeah. Um, totally. And so and then to come to an episode where it's like, "Oh, these are kind of the in-between songs." Mm-hmm. For anyone old enough that had CDs, these were often the songs that you would skip. And <laughs> to that? do and and to do an episode <laughs> about it uh is pretty funny. Um uh, yeah, so yeah, you're, we you're keep committed. going through that. Um we have we have a whole list of people that we have sent out people who have either toured with good riddance or show promoters or Mm. uh whatever that have worked with good riddance in some capacity and we sent out a list saying hey send us your top five favorite good riddance songs and then when we draw it we'll do our best to get you on the show and sometimes it's worked and sometimes it hasn't and it's like people i used to be on the radio with or people who play in bands that used to tour with them and so uh recently we had a band who are from toronto but it's weird because like i they aren't because I work in bars and restaurants, I go to shows so seldom anymore. Um, it's funny. My career is exactly, runs the same hours as punk rock hours. So, Right, right. Um, so this band, Choices Made, Choice we're from Toronto. Made. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So as I heard, there was a band called Choices Made. It was like, well, we got to get these guys on the fucking show. Oh, you didn't know them? Obviously, they're fans of Good Riddance. Uh. Well, turns out, turns out the guitarist Steve's girlfriend is an old friend of mine. So, like <laughs> Toronto for a city of six million people is a very small town. Sure. Um, but uh, but yeah, we so we managed to get the guys from Choices Made come on. They mm-hmm. just put out a seven inch a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So they came on, talked about what good riddance means to them as well and why they would choose the song Choices Made as a as a band name. Um, but yeah, yeah. it's uh so we so every now and then we get guests to come on. Uh, a few months ago, I had uh, a friend of mine that I know from the bar industry who is now a PhD candidate in Atlanta and mm-hmm. we had her name's Ariel Lawrence. We had her come on and talk all about the impact of Dr. Martin Luther King jr. Because right. we were talking about the song shadows of defeat and what I thought was going to be 15, 20 minutes turned out to be about an hour. Uh, Ariel really went off.
0: She really she went it. so
1: deep and it was great.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I'm actually working at, I'm actually working out a way to get her back on the show. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. It depends on the subject of the song that comes up. Uh, because she doesn't listen to punk rock at all, but uh, but she did pay a lot of attention to when I sent her that song. When I sent her "Shadows of Defeat," she was like, yeah. "This is very cool."
0: Yeah, because
1: because yeah. it's Martin Luther King Jr. talking about stuff that should be widespread, but then to contrast it with a song that's very interpersonal. Yeah. Hmm. So anyway, uh, yeah. So we we have guests not every week. But occasionally, and uh, trying to get different sort of perspectives than just the same two voices talking about the same band every week. Although. Two bozos. Although the two bozos, although the weeks when we get like a five week run in a row where we don't have a guest, it starts getting real weird and funny. Uh, and we <laughs> tap into that sweet spot of it's, you're just listening to two guys becoming friends, even though we've already been friends for 10 years. Is she going to, is, uh, the, your friend from the she,
0: is she going to talk yeah. about Ariel? Yeah. Shout out to you, Dr. Ariel. Um, is she going to talk about Edmund
1: Pettisbridge? That's what I'm thinking. Uh, yeah. but it also, She's a PhD student, so it really depends on what her reading is like in whatever week. You're like, uh, we you're like to honestly, that you could probably talk about any of these songs and, like, you know, Last Believer or P- Pedal, oh, yeah. anything that
0: ha- doesn't have to do with Martin Luther King Jr. All of these songs have to do with Martin Luther King Jr. <laughs> Technically. All of them in yeah. some way, tangentially. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I'll, Oh, we didn't ask, I didn't ask you real quick uh, to, to, to land this plane. Um, yeah. Just real quick. Why did you name it Last Believer podcast out of all
1: the songs? Well, that was Dan's call. I yeah. sent Dan a list of three or four different, uh, good riddance related either lyrics or song titles or whatnot. And Dan, uh, sort of being a smart ass came back with like last believer. Cause no one else would think to do the good riddance podcast, <laughs> except for you. You're obviously the last are the
0: last man standing. Yeah. And,
1: and, and I think that's what, that's what Dan said, but there was a few other, uh, there was a few other lyrics. I can't think of any of them right now, but, uh, but there was a couple, I feel like there's a lyric specifically from bound by ties of blood and affection that had something to do with, Oh, grandstanding from the cheap seats was definitely mm-hmm. going to be, was a potential name for that's a podcast. A cool name, yeah. Cause I feel yeah. like that's all podcasts are is grandstanding from the cheap seats. Um,
0: <laughs> that's what we did. That was
1: one, but yeah. there was one from bound by ties of blood and affection, like a specific lyric that had to do with like, appreciating something from afar and i can't remember it right now but okay uh last last believer is what we landed on it's also kind of cool because last believer is in many ways like good riddance's calling card you know Mm -hmm. uh it's a song that they first recorded uh for demos a million years ago you know like 92 or something like that yeah it's named after uh title of a documentary which is hilarious like how much more good riddance can you be um and and they've consistently played it live for 25 years i've been going to see this band live i've seen them like 60 times and i don't think i've ever seen them play a show where that song doesn't get played right so it, it makes sense that it's kind of the signature but also uh my my hesitation for using it is that it was just like it is that song that everybody knows by good riddance. So I kind of wanted to go a little deeper on it, but it, uh, it's worked out.
0: No, it's smart. Yeah. It's like, instead of calling it just like, Hey, two guys doing good riddance or whatever. It's like, Pick yeah, pick something that people will know is good riddance, right? Like
1: yeah, for sure. It's
0: good. I think it works really well actually. So, um, and then Bartender Atlas, obviously, it's a it's a Bartender Atlas, right? Yeah, um, it is exactly <laughs> that.
1: If you want to know something about a bartender somewhere in the world, BartenderAtlas.com. Mm-hmm. Just look up a city, and everyone from that city will show up. And you know, uh, it's worked mostly in concentric circles. The last year and a half, obviously, has been weird. We haven't been able to travel, so mm-hmm. it's a it's been kind of Canada heavy the last uh, year or so. Sure, but that doesn't sure. mean that. Like earlier this week, we had someone from French Guiana sign up. We had someone from Washington, D.C. We had someone from like some town I've never heard of in Australia. You know, we get people from all over the world all the time.
0: Cool.
1: Yeah. Do you you have um, suggested food pairings with the drinks recipes on there? Uh, Not usually, but depending on the drink and the caliber of the cocktail, I mean, a lot of it would draw simple comparisons and a lot of suggested playlists or
0: music or or anything like that. Like
1: this one would work really well with, with bad brains or, you uh, know what, this isn't, this isn't something that I actually, this isn't something that I work on, but um, there is a a liquor brand based out of the States that has started putting together, actually down towards San Diego is where these guys live. uh, They've started putting together bartender playlists. So, well, well, not punk it? rock by any means. Um, well, his name is Chris Patino, and he's okay. sort of in charge of the program. And uh, every two weeks or so, yeah, I think it's every two weeks, there's a bartender, you can follow it on Spotify at bourbon time, bourbon spelled with a six instead of a B. Um <laughs> Okay. That made sense to give yeah. everyone a minute to think about that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so, and it's bartenders from all over the States. Mostly. I don't think there's any euros involved yet, but, uh, it's all over the States, different bartenders put together about an hour, hour and a half long playlist of what you could expect to listen to while they're making you a drink at their bar.
0: Oh, that's a good idea. It's okay. really
1: cool. And more than anything, I'm mad that bartender Atlas didn't think of it first.
0: It's right up my alley. Um, well, yeah, we could, we, it's could put real something cool. together. we could put something together for like some food and music and yeah. yeah. and especially when we do the Essex, because um, we could put all of the Aaron's bands on there and whatever. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll figure that out. So, um, yeah, leave, leave me with a nugget of wisdom from either your your family or
1: your your life or your wife or anything like that. I think um, you're never as cool as you think you are, <laughs> and and comparison is the easiest way to. Doubt yourself.
0: Ooh, okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. Always, always. You know, comparison is weird, which is funny because I've been in whatever dozens of cocktail competitions. But trying to look at what someone else is doing and call that successful as opposed to whatever it is you're doing, and uh, you will always be let down. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no, there's no one goal. It's like trying to collect records. You're never going That's to have true. them all.
0: No, you'll never be the best musician or chef or anything like that. When, but yeah. You, you actually probably are a really good chef or musician or bartender. But like, or, right? take,
1: take taking inspiration is great. Comparison is not. Yes, heard. Yeah, <laughs> cool.
0: Well, I appreciate your time, and um, I
1: appreciate you. Uh, thank you.
0: <laughs> also, it's uh, at Last Believer Pod right on Instagram. Yep.
1: Yeah. At Last Believer Pod on Instagram and uh, Lastbelieverpod at gmail.com and we have an ongoing Last Believer podcast playlist that is on both Spotify and Apple music now so you can Ooh. look that up. Nice. gives you a little uh, context as to what Dan and I talk about in every episode. Mm-hmm. Some of it makes sense, you know, you'll find a lot of lifetime, a lot of black flag on that playlist, but then some of it doesn't. And you'll find things <laughs> like Atlanta Miles and 112. So who knows? a little bit of everything.
0: And at bartender Atlas on Instagram right?
1: That's right. At bartender atlas on Instagram and bartenderatlas.com is the website, which as we talked about, the website is really the, the nugget. Mm -hmm. The Instagram is very cool. It helps to have a uh, photographer wife slash business partner. Totally. It makes, it makes (laughs) our, our grid looks sick. Uh, (laughs) Thanks, Jess. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And that's, um, yeah, that's all Jess. Yeah. So, um,
0: well, yeah, I'll, I look forward to the next episode of last believer pod and I'll, we'll talk about some recipes, uh, sometime for bartender atlas and whatnot. So, You heard it here on the family cast. Uh, Josh, signing off from Josh, right? Um, Uh, Thanks again, Josh. (laughs) You're welcome, Josh. We'll talk soon. And um, yeah, I don't know. Rock and roll forever? Punk, rock and roll? Rock and or roll. Rock and or punk rock and roll. (laughs) Ciao. Well, we did it. We really did it. That was some Josh power right there. The two Joshes talking about their podcast, talking about community with through uh, Bartender Atlas and music and food pairings and all that kind of stuff. I hope you got to hear all those details in there. If not, go back and listen, whatever. And be sure to listen to Last Believer, a podcast about good riddance. If you want to hear more about good riddance, also check out Bartender Atlas. That's where you can learn a lot about bars around the world like I said in the beginning of the show like Josh said it's a community of people uh, just talking about that stuff but also if you want to find a place to go and hang out where people might be you know more like you than than you think or whatever I don't know check it out for yourself I don't tell you what to do I just give suggestions well my friends my family do you remember when I was talking about that uh, my last pairing dinner on July 22nd with bootcraft the vegan gluten-free dinner yeah. That one sold out. That was pretty cool. It was a really cool. It was actually oversold. Um, it was, but it still worked out. It was fine. Had some really great food, really great drinks, and uh, props to my whole chef team. Shout out to everybody who keeps coming to those things and supporting me and the and the crew and Harvest Kitchen. And um, yeah, we got some more in the works. Be on the be on the lookout. Excuse me, on the calendar. I'm am going to host at my kitchen a taco pop up, a, a a brunch time a uh, record and music pairing we're going to do a record swap there's going to be people selling records, buying, trading, selling all that kind of stuff, spinning records, we'll be selling tacos and stuff out of my kitchen. There'll be some of course beverage pairings, all kinds. It's kid friendly, whatever you want to do, dog friendly too, and I'll be ma- I'll actually be making some dog treats, so bring that. More to come on that. That's Sunday, August 22nd at Harvest Kitchen. That's going to be a fun time. Stay tuned for that. More details to come, but yes, bring records we'll spin some stuff and uh spin some yarns play some music anyways big thank you to uh my guest this week mr josh Lindley. and yeah like i said thanks for everything go give him a listen give him a follow shout outs to everybody who listens to good riddance y'all my peeps and until next time everybody um just want to say uh be safe out there things are things are happening again for uh, you know like i like i always say no matter what you believe other people are still affected by things so just be kind be nice whatever if you got something to say you know maybe say it nicely or don't say it or whatever you know we don't need to really fight all the time do we do we do we decimal system okay everybody i gotta go i got some things to cook i got some things to do i got some uh yeah we'll talk soon i got some cool guests coming up stay in touch give us a follow uh this this episode was brought to you by public square coffee house go go check them out and also don't forget Don't forget, as always, you can get, uh, if you use the code FAMCAST, F-A-M-C-A-S-T, at liquiddeath.com, you get some goodies, right, when you check out. Also at Essex Coffee Roasters shout out Aaron episode 7 Essex Coffee Roasters Aaron from Be Well and Converge and Only Crime and (laughs) so many more bands anyways 10% off if you reuse the code famcast at checkout for some coffee and goodies I just got some new ones the Cinepunks collaboration that's awesome Uh, be on the lookout for some more collaborations with other podcasters I'm going to be doing a podcaster interview series so more collaborations coming up in that sense okay Here's uh here's me, Chef Josh, signing out, and I'm gonna I'll play one little fun song. Um it's by it's neither by this Josh or that Josh. It's just something fun I found on the internet, and it has to do with good riddance, so we're gonna do it. Okay? Don't worry, it's not green day good riddance. We're not gonna do that. Um, anyways, it's me. I'm out of here. Ciao ciao.
1: Okay. Yeah. oh oh wow well marriage is i've never going. been on i've never been on that side of uh of the recording in progress <laughs> zoom oh, lady yeah. voice I'm always the one that starts the recording
0: thanks for listening to the family cast. <laughs>